Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back to the 72nd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Today is the first day of the Dow Down the Drama book club, and I'm so excited to get rolling with a brand new group of moms. And I wanted to let you know that I have room for one more mom. If you've been on the fence about joining the Dial Down the Drama Summer Book Club, or if you're feeling pulled like this is right for you, please email me at Colleen2Ls2Es at DialDownTheDrama.com and I'll get you started today. In this episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Anna Tanner, who is an MD, FAAP, S-A-H-M-C-E-D-S, is the Vice President of Medical Services for Veritas Collaborative, a national healthcare system for the treatment of eating disorders. She is a board-certified pediatrician and certified eating disorder specialist who has spent over 20 years of her career working with complicated adolescent patients with a special emphasis on treating patients with eating disorders. The reason I invited Dr. Tanner here to be part of our show is we're going to talk about healthy eating, stress eating, and eating disorders, and applying that and looking at it in regards to our own teens and what we as moms can do about it. Brene Brown has said that the number one area of shame for women, and especially our teen girls, is around body image. Billions of dollars are spent in the beauty industry to make us feel that our bodies and how we look are just not okay. And this causes so much suffering and pain in all of us, but especially our teenage girls. And this can manifest into eating disorders. You know, this puts moms in a hard spot. What do you say to your daughter who binges on a box of donuts or has such a restricted diet that they can only eat salad with no dressing? What are normal eating habits for teenage girls? Do any teenage girls maintain a healthy diet? What are the warning signs that your daughter is developing an eating disorder? And what should moms say to their daughters? Because body image is such a trigger for shame for so many teenage girls. Trying to talk to your teen about body image and healthy diet can be met with lots and lots of drama, and emotional outbursts. It's hard to know what moms can say or do and when they should say or do something. So I am so glad you're here. So welcome, Dr. Tanner. Colleen, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you and talk to the parents that listen to your show. Yes, and I know they're going to be really, really excited about everything that you have to share. Thank you so much. I like your approach to talking to parents, and I'm really excited that we're going to have this conversation today. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to go really well. All right, so my first question is a lot of us are stress eating during COVID-19. And so, um, you know, and moms are in the house and they're watching everything that their their teens are eating. Is, Is that something to be concerned about? And should moms talk to the girls about like, you know, that they see an increase of what they're eating, like an entire bag of chips or what do you Mm -hmm. think about that? 
I'm so glad you asked that question first, because I know that is the top question on every mom's mind that's listening to your podcast today. Stress eating is a really big concern for a lot of people, but I think it's really important to back up and acknowledge that we are living through an incredibly difficult time um, without precedent. Um, None of us have lived through a pandemic before, our children's generation, our generation, our parents' generation. And I think it's really important to understand that there's a lot of stress right now and that people are going to handle stress in different ways, okay? So we got to kind of put that out there. But it's also really important to acknowledge that our eating habits have also really changed, right? We used to eat out a lot more. We used to eat on the go a lot more. And now everybody is eating at home. So not all of the changes, not everything that's different may be a problem. But all of that said, that whole question about stress eating, I think we need to get back to everybody's feeling a lot of stress. And people show their stress in different ways. So some of your moms may have kids that are crying a lot. Some of your kids, some of your moms may have kids that are seeking more attention, but some may be isolating more. Some may be acting out with other behaviors, but stress eating, eating more than usual can be a sign that somebody is under stress. And it's really important to think about the emotions that are behind the behavior rather than really focusing on the behavior. And so I know that you do such a good job when you're talking to moms about talking about getting to the behavior, trying not to focus, trying to get to the thoughts behind the behavior rather than focusing on the behavior. Yeah. And I just think even, um, I think helping, helping the teens even just name like, oh yeah, I'm eating because I'm stressed. Just even them being more conscious of that could be helpful, I would think. It is. I think it really is. But also just to remember that, um, you know, a couple things we haven't talked about. Um, one is that kids, when they have growth spurts, might be more hungry or might eat more, right? So yeah. um, that could be a reason that they're having a change in their eating habits. Um, they might be more active. You know, now that they're not sitting all day in school, maybe they have no commuting time. Um, maybe they're outside more. They could be more hungry. So remember, there are a lot of healthy, normal, developmental reasons for kids to change their eating habits. But we also see families changing their eating habits. Like I said, everybody was eating out. Now everybody's eating in. And um, some of those foods are going to taste good. Some of those foods are going to be really enjoyable. It's okay to enjoy food. Um, The American Dietetics Association says all foods can fit. And I love that idea that any food is okay. Colleen, I think I might've told you before, but my motto when it comes to pretty much everything is all things in moderation, including moderation. And I think that that goes with some of the good things that we've got in the house or maybe that we're making or having fun cooking right now. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, like I can laugh at myself because, uh, you know, like I was kind of one of my friends is big and uh, is a big speaker and she speaks on well-being and healthcare. Mm-hmm. And she like, confided that she ate a whole bag of chips and I was thinking oh my god I can't believe she did that but then I found myself (laughs) in the pantry eating a whole bag of chips yeah sometimes they just taste good right yeah and so I think if there's not shame with it if there's almost like a a, it's like almost funny you know it's just um and 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 I think you've we were talking before but I think um to just even know that this is a special time in history, like that's yes. never, ever been like this. And 
right? It's yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, this is an unprecedented uh, expe experience for all of us of a quarantine of this length and duration. But it's going to end. I mean, it's not going to go on forever. And so, changes in behaviors, changes in stress levels, right now, may not indicate a long-term pattern or a long-term problem. So, I think it's really important to kind of know we're all doing the best we can. Right. Yeah. And if some days we don't manage things perfectly, um, that's okay. And to give ourselves a lot of grace right now, but we also have to give yes. our kids grace. Lots of we're we're telling ourselves to give ourselves grace. We have to remember to do it with our kids as well. And food is one of those things that our society focuses on a lot, but it yeah. shouldn't be that big of a focus. It's a great point. Yes. Yes. No, I love that. I love that. All right. So as I was talking, you know, before in the in the introduction, that most females have issues around body image, yeah. and weight and culture plays a, a big role here. And so, what are the normal struggles for girls in the teen years? And is there anything that moms can do? Because I mean, girls are going to be really focused on how they look. They can spend hours just on their hair before they go outside. <laughs> You know, so do you, do you have anything that you say to you, your parents or your moms about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that you've had some lovely words about cultivating positive body image and that it starts with us as mothers, right? Every single yeah. mother is a model to their girls. And what we say, even when we're not saying anything or meaning to say anything, carries so much importance with them. And so, you know, we're talking about it's not even just the teen years. It's before the teen years. It's after the teen years. So when we talk about cultivating positive body image, starting first with ourselves and how we talk about our own body image, how we talk about um, what we think about our own appearance or our weight or our body type and those words that we choose to use is really important. So that's the first thing I'd want any mom to put on their list. Just be careful about how you talk about yourself. But the second thing I want them to to, to think about is um, monitoring conversations, especially at mealtime. I mean, you and I both know that the family meal is such an important part of raising a healthy family, but that family meal should be on nurturing character and growing um, strong adults. And it shouldn't be on being food police. It shouldn't be about talking about good foods or bad foods or healthy foods or unhealthy foods. Um, so we don't want to have any weight or food or shaming talk at the dinner table. We also want to be talk, careful about how we talk about food and nutrition in general, right? So we talked about how all foods can fit. It's really, really important. No good foods, no bad foods. Those chips, those donuts that are ending up <laughs> in people's houses right now, those yes. are fine at times. And so it's really important to remember that a person's diet is balanced, not over the course of one meal or even over the course of one day. But, you know, when I was in general pediatrics, over the course of a week, most of us eat a balanced diet. So kind of holding all of that in balance and having that grace there. It's really important that parents focus on what's important. We're trying to develop character in our youth and focusing on food or weight is not focusing on what most of us care about the most with our children that we're raising. 
what we want to do is we want to be building character. So when we're focusing our compliments, we want to make sure that our compliments are not just about how our kids look, how our daughters look, but their character and their accomplishments. So we want to make sure that we're, I used to say when I was uh, talking to parents of toddlers, catch them being good. And the same occurs for our teenagers, right? I'm so proud of how you handled that disagreement with your friend, or that was really incredible that you did so well in chemistry. I had no idea anyone in our family was good at chemistry, right? So yeah. it was really focusing on character, focusing on accomplishments, and helping them build their their self-esteem is a really good way to promote positive body image. Yeah, no, that's great. And I loved, um, they were talking about that, the dinner table mm-hmm. is, our families need places where it's stress-free, Yes, yes, yes. So we want that to be a place where people can be relaxed. They don't have to be on guard. There's no drama conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, this is not where you want to confront them in any part of their life. No, no. We want them to look forward to gathering at the table with us because we want them to come home and continue to gather at the table with us. Those family meals are such an important part of raising children, but also continue to stay engaged with our children as they grow. Yeah. And yes. So yes, something I want to go back to a couple things that are really great is, yeah. So comments, like you said, we have to be a model for our daughters, you know, Mm -hmm. so, or, or sons, but but comments like, oh, my God, when you when you look in the mirror as a mom and you're saying, oh, God, I just look so old. I look so fat. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, or you comment about I can't ugh, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to wear a bathing suit. Your daughters are, are taking notes on how mm-hmm. you talk about your own body. Um, that's one thing I want to kind of go back to. And another thing is, you know. <laughs> you know, moms, we're not, I mean, we have our own sense of body, body image issues. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of fear that we carry around, especially for our daughters about, you know, are they going to be overweight? And how is that going to impact their life? Or, you know, we, we have these, our own fear. And, and what I've noticed when you slow fear down, fear is imagining the worst case scenario. And, and then what all the way out, right? Play yeah, all the way out to the yeah no one will marry her because she ate that donut. So, <laughs> um, but, but the, the thing is, is that we have to, what we trigger something in moms, which is that it's our job right now to mm-hmm. stop my daughter. Yeah. We become these monitors of, like you said, the food police. Yeah. And I guarantee if that's before dinner or during dinner or after dinner or in the morning or any time around the time that you're eating and you are monitoring their intake, um, it's not good. It's going to end up in drama. It's going to be stressful. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing um, is your fear is causing you to obsess about food mm-hmm. and then you're modeling to your daughter about how to obsess about food. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that's why meals need to be about being together and why we need yes. to kind of hold that all foods fit. We really need to kind of back up away from the meals and it needs to be about raising that whole child and 
really, you know, to cultivate a positive body image, not only do you have to kind of avoid these things, but you also have to create a home environment where kids can talk about their feelings, right? You have to be able to acknowledge what might be behind anything you're worried about. And I think that's so important because I think, you know, we we said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It's really easy for parents to focus on the behavior. And as you said, that comes from a place of fear. But what's more important is if we're worried about some of our kids to get back to the emotions behind it and help them learn how to express their emotions and manage their emotions. That is so good. So good. Because if you can, if you create a culture where both you and your daughters can like express feels feelings like stress, like mom, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm so stressed because of this. And she can talk about it Mm -hmm. and she, she can kind of let it go or laugh about it. Mm -hmm. That stops stress eating. It stops the stress behavior. Well, and it stops moms from worrying that if they're actually hungry for whatever it is at dinner, that they're eating out of stress and they don't know about the stress, right? So if you can talk about if they're stressed, then you're not worried about what anything they're doing may or may not indicate. So it's really important to know that um, kids have different eating habits as they grow. All foods can fit. Appetites can vary. You know, all of this can be okay. But if you're worried about your kid and you're worrying about what they're eating over what they're feeling, you might be missing what you really need to be talking to them about. Oh, absolutely. All right. So now we're going to move on. Mm -hmm. So when, when should moms be concerned about their teens eating habits and what are the red flags? Uh, Cause I know moms like don't know, and then they, they can worry about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're definitely, we were talking a little bit before about how, much of an increase we are seeing right now in mental health concerns and eating disorders are no exception. Uh, The stress that children and adolescents are feeling during this time is definitely increased. So we know that this could be um, increasing rates of eating disorders, but we also know that parents are spending more time with their kids, right? We live in a go, go, go society. Uh, A lot of us as parents don't see our kids very often. When they're younger, they might be hopping in one carpool to another from one activity to another. When they're older, they have their own car with their own keys and their own credit card and they're gone except for maybe sleeping in their bed at night. And so for some families, this is the first time that the parents have really been observing their kids, right? And really seeing kind of how they spend their day. And I know you've talked about some of these other topics with some of your other guests, like how much time they're on the screen or how they interact with their friends, right? And so eating might be a concern. So it's really important to acknowledge that we're seeing, we may be seeing more eating disorders develop because of the increased stress related to COVID. But we also are seeing some kids present for care because their families are noticing behaviors that may have been there. And now that they're home or we're noticing them. So we're seeing kind of two categories of presentations, but there are some red flag behaviors. We call them red flags because they're the kind of thing that should make your parent antenna go up if you see them. And and we can go through some of those red flags. Um, I I love that. Okay, great. One of the first ones is a change in a child's eating habits from the family. So all of us that are raising kids know that our families have a way we eat, a style of eating, our family favorites, our regular dinners. And when kids have a break from that, when they have a big um, 
split from that, that can be a sign that an eating disorder is developing. So for example, your family eats steak every Sunday night, um, meat is part of your family diet, and then your child announces they're going vegetarian. That could be a sign of an eating disorder developing. Um, but bigger than that is seeing a kid who no longer eats meals with the family. So we were just talking about how important that family meal is. And eating disorders will start to isolate a child from eating with the family. So mm -hmm. they'll often make excuses not to eat with the family. Um, they'll say they're full or they've eaten or they're going to eat in their room. Um, so opting out of family meals um, can be a really big red flag. And the excuses that go with that, right? So one day it's this, the next day it's that, and those excuses go on and on. So when there's a constant list of excuses to get them out of eating, that those are all kind of really common red flags on changes. So, so let me slow you down a little bit. What are yeah. some of what are some of the excuses you've heard? Oh gosh, the list of excuses is really, really long. Um, when they're busy and on the go, a lot of those excuses are, I already ate, I ate with so-and-so, I picked something up, I ate something before you came home from work. Now that we're all home, some of those excuses are getting a little bit more creative. Um, so it might be, um, I had a snack while you were on your call and now I'm too full for dinner, right? Or I'm gonna eat later because I need to get this project done. I've got a deadline for my teacher and I have to get it done right now. So I'll eat later. So those excuses of getting out of what is the family norm are the kind of excuses that we're looking for. You know, everybody has a day uh, that's a tough day, but when it's repetitive and when it's linked to some of these other things on our punch list, our red flag list, um, that's when parents should be concerned. So that's a really good question. Some of the other things we'll see, um, lots of times kids will start spending a lot of time baking or cooking, but they might not eat what they're preparing, mm. okay? So they're really, really interested in a cooking show. Um, they're spending a lot of time cooking or baking, but they're not eating any of that. Um, and so let me, let me add add something that, to that. I remember once it was uh, it was kind of Christmas time. Okay. And I had a girl who, who was struggling with an anorexia. She mm -hmm. made me like the hugest platter, huge, mm -hmm. huge, like three foot diameter platter of probably 15 different kind of cookies and tarts yeah. and things. And yeah. I asked her, have you tried any of them? And she said, no. Yeah. And that, that is the way that, that illness works um, where there's that preoccupation um, with food or nutrition or cooking, um, but that inability to eat. So that that's a really common thing that we'll see. Um, and we may be seeing it now, right? That they want to cook a lot, but then they're taking it to the neighbors or it's for the family, right? Um, a preoccupation with body or weight. So starting to make a lot of comments about their weight or their shape. Um, parents will know, notice their kids doing something called body checking, where every time they walk by a mirror, they're looking at maybe a particular body part or walking by a window, any, anything that's catching their reflection. So that being preoccupied with body or shape or weight um, or doing body checking. Um, but then even past that constant dieting or obsessing with calories. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot of kids who've downloaded a lot of fitness apps and they're counting calories. Um, but that obsessive counting of calories, that kind of moving that number down and down, that can be really a concerning behavior.
Um, uh, is there are other behaviors though that we see in addition to restricting food and getting out of eating food? Because remember, eating disorders are not all restrictive eating disorders. Um, we will also see kids who present with a compulsion to exercise. So they might have been a kid who maybe sometimes kicked a ball or shot some hoops or took a walk with the dog, um, but now they're exercising for many hours a day. So compulsive exercise can be a sign. Um, disappearing laxatives or diet pills mm. or finding empty boxes could be a sign of an eating disorder behavior. That's not a restrictive behavior. That's a purging behavior, but it can be a sign that there's something going on. Um, and some other signs, maybe going to the bathroom right after meals, which could be a concern for purging or eating alone or at night. So when you started this conversation by asking about stress eating, what we really worry about is um, binge eating, which is different from stress eating. So that inability to stop consuming calories. And often that happens alone, in secret, at night. Um, and so the families will find like a lot of hidden wrappers or missing food, something they're planning on having is gone. So those are a kind of, it's a long list of behaviors that families might notice and they cover uh, multiple different eating disorders, um, but they can all be concerning behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I would think the moms who are listening to this are saying, yep. what, do, what do I do if I see those behaviors? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, first get back to your first point, which is don't go to a place of fear, right? Keep your mm -hmm. um, parent logic balanced brain on um, and give it a minute. But when those behaviors continue, especially when you see them accompanied by medical symptoms or change in weight, that needs to be addressed really seriously. One of the things we don't think a lot about with restrictive eating disorders, you know, now that the average age of onset of anorexia has moved down to 12, we see more and more kids present not with weight loss, but a failure to grow. So mm. might not notice that in the short term, but parents know when their kids, everybody else in the house is getting new clothes because they're growing and one kid stops growing. So it's really important to act quickly if you're seeing behaviors like that and you have a younger kid who stops growing, or if you have an old older kid who is losing weight or having other medical problems like passing out or feeling cold all of the time, or if it's a girl, if she's skipping her periods, um, those can all be signs that we have um, a serious problem that we need to address as quickly as possible. So it's kind of important to kind of look for the behaviors, maybe not over worry, but when the behaviors continue, they start to be accompanied by medical issues. We really want to address those. Okay. So so this is a hard place for moms. So yeah. do you, what, what do you recommend? Do you recommend moms educating their, their daughters about or sons about what eating disorders are and how would you talk to them and how early? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? It's a great question. I mean, I think we, the, the whole time I've been in this field, we are all looking for that. What can we do to prevent eating disorders? I mean, you and I both know from dealing with adolescents for a long time that scare tactics don't work. So scaring them about the risks of it is certainly not going to prevent them from having an eating disorder. We know there are a lot of genetic factors and a lot of personality factors that play out when eating disorders develop. And so I think instead of having parents think about educating their kids about eating disorders, 
or the risk of eating disorders, I think it's much more important to think about reinforcing those positive perspectives that we've been talking about, promoting positive body image, promoting the family meal, promoting talking about feelings, so that if any issues arise with feelings, right, with managing stress, we're picking up on that because it's not always going to show up with eating. It's not always going to show up with an eating disorder. Um, and it's really important to kind of talk about building that child, right, helping your child grow into a healthy adult. So I, I think a lot of parents are like, if I tell them about this, they'll never get this. And that that doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't protect them from other stresses as well. So now that's such a good point, because I think especially because moms are afraid, then we want to use scare tactics. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, they don't work with anything with teenagers. Remember, teenagers think they're invincible. You can tell them the scariest statistics about anything and they will hear you and they'll even remember it, but they will never, ever think it applies to them. It's just the way the adolescent brain works and we all know it. Yet when it comes to talking to our own teens, we totally forget it, right? So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah. And I think in terms of positive body image is, um, you know, is like talking about like how amazing is our body that can do sports and can, you know, can do all these, these things that, that, yeah, I mean, if there was ever a time to embrace being healthy and being fortunate to be healthy, isn't this really the time? Like, we are so fortunate that we're healthy enough that we can um, do X, Y, Z right now as a family. Aren't we lucky that our health is good? I mean, there's just, yes. there hasn't been a better time right now to just focus on health and what health allows us to do for what we're supposed to be doing in this world, right? And kind of cultivating that in our kids is so important. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is good. Yes. It's because it, it could be, it could be so easy to be really negative about all these mm -hmm. eating disorders and you have such a, a great positive outlook. Yeah. Um, so what does a mom say if they know that their, their teens are doing the, rest, the restrictive dieting and, and they know that they're, um, uh, or binging or mm -hmm. purging, um, like it's just, yeah, it's hard. What do it's they say? It's a hard conversation. So I have a little cheat sheet. I have six points for parents. Okay, awesome. Um, if they feel like they have to have that tough conversation. So okay. this is kind of my punch list for parents. So that first part is that observation part. Um, but I also tell parents, you know, there's, you know, it's okay to wait, but don't delay, right? You know, you want to address it. So I think when parents are concerned, and it could be an aim Twitter, it could be something else. So when parents are concerned, they need to talk to their kid. And the most important thing is to let your kid know that you care for them and you care about their health. I mean, we can't ever tell our kids enough how much we care about them. And it's really important to start from that place of love. Like, I want to talk to you tonight because I love you and I want you to be healthy and I want you to move forward and do everything you're supposed to do with your life. So that's such an important starting place for this conversation. Um, when you start having that conversation, it's really important not to comment on looks. I don't think that parents should tell their kid, I think you've lost a lot of weight or I think you've gained a lot of weight or I've noticed X, Y, Z. Um, because of the way these illnesses work, it's not productive. It's really just important to focus on how much you care about them and their health and not about looks. 
We definitely want parents to avoid power struggles. That's the third thing. So don't get into a power struggle over this. And that's really hard, but I know you do really good coaching around that. So maybe you can give me some tips on how to do that. And also to avoid shame or guilt or blame. Okay. There's so much shame around the diagnosis and stigma around the diagnosis of eating disorders, um, more so than anything else we see. And if you're going to be having this hard conversation with your kids, you do not want to add to that. So we really want to avoid any of those kinds of comments. But the last, uh, last two things, it's really important to not offer a simple solution, okay? If you're worried your kid's eating enough, not eating enough, it, you don't want to say, I think you're not eating enough. I think you have an eating disorder, so I'm going to sit with you every meal, right? That's a simple solution. That is not going to cure the severe mental illness that's one of the most lethal mental illnesses that we see and treat. So you don't want to give them a simple solution. Um, what you want to do instead is help them find professional help. So for example, at Veritas Collaborative, we have a team of professionals that are available by phone that can help families decide if this is an eating disorder or not and help them move forward. So it's really important when families are concerned, they tell their child they love them, they're worried about their health, and they're going to help them seek help. And that's how I really think it's important to have this conversation and kind of frame up that expectation for that conversation. Okay. This is awesome. And I have worked with lots of girls who have, who have had eating disorders yeah. and I know they're difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's a hard illness, but kids can and do get well from this illness all the time. Yeah. And I think, um, one of the things is that we often underestimate this illness. And I think it's really important to get kids um, not only treatment, but treatment at the right level at the right time. And that kind of goes back to that offering simple solutions, right? We're going to get yeah. you a little bit of help. And then if things don't get better, we'll get you more help. And that's where turning to really seasoned professionals that deal with eating disorders all the time can really help on the front end of this illness because they can help you assess that severity and get on the right track quickly. So it's really important to remember that perspective. So let's say... Because I've seen them, I've seen these mm -hmm. girls. Um, they they have lost a lot of weight. They're mm -hmm. they're way below. They you know they're eighty nine pounds. They've they used to be one hundred and twenty, and they are refusing treatment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm I'm fat. I don't want to go in. What do you what what should a what should a parent do? I think it's a really great point. Um, you know this, but a lot of your listeners may not know this, but it's a great point to talk about how anorexia nervosa, which is the illness to which you're referring, is an egocentric mental illness, meaning that the mental illness itself replaces the healthy ego state for these patients. And one of the mistakes I see a lot of families make is they think they can talk their kid into understanding that they're sick and that they need help. But what we actually know about anorexia is the more severe the illness, the less insight they have. And this is one of the biggest, biggest problems that families find themselves in is they just keep waiting for the kid to see the problem to get them help. And so it's really important to help families understand that the more severe the eating disorder is, the less they're going to want help. And this is why it is so great for me to have a chance to talk to parents that are involved in their kids' lives, because this is one more parenting time when taking good care of your 
kid means that you're going to have to be a really firm parent, that you're going to have to understand something's going on and that they need professional help. And this isn't something they can get themselves out of. And it's not something you can get themselves out of. And I know that the parents that listen to your show really understand that strong, loving parenting that this kind of decision involves, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So l- let's say this is what, you know, parents may be really scared about, but it, yeah. but sometimes these, these clients, these kids need to be hospitalized. Oh yes. Yeah. Cause I've seen them. So what, what do you think, what turns these kids around? What are some of the factors that turns, turns these kids around? Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, because eating disorders are a mental illness, they need therapeutic treatment to get better. But eating disorders, because they involve food and eating, they can have really severe medical complications. So these patients actually need a whole team of support. So they not only need therapy, but they need a dietitian because food is their medicine. And they may need a psychiatrist because they may have some extra issues that are going on that medicine might help. And they definitely need medical support from a trained medical professional that knows eating disorders well, because that medical support um, can not only help stabilize them at the very beginning when they can be quite ill, but it also can provide a source of accountability as they get well to know when their body is telling us that it is back to its healthy self rather than the eating disorder or anybody else guessing about it, right? So it's really important that eating disorders are treated by a multidisciplinary team and at the right level of care. There are a lot of levels of care, a lot of levels of support for eating disorders. Disorders. So when those thoughts are really severe, um, really kind of running all day long, when they don't get interrupted just every waking hour, some kids really need a lot of support to turn those behaviors around, to get those skills against those thoughts. Mm, this is so good. I, and I love you saying the different levels of care. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I love that we've talked from kind of stress eating to healthy eating all the way here. Uh, and I just, I want for the mom's who are listening to this, if, if you're concerned about your teen I, and you're not seeing things change, do get professional help yes. and for that right level of care. And I want you to just know, moms, that, that your teens turn around. I have seen a lot of clients who've come out of treatment and they needed the treatment to be able to move forward. And mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel hopeless. There is hope. They yeah. can um, really grow. And, and I'm sure you've seen so many, many of your clients turn around from, from the treat, even intense treatment. Oh, yes. And in fact, often kids who get aggressive help early do the best because they don't get entrenched in those behaviors. So you brought up a really great point, which is a lot of parents are scared of aggressive treatment for eating disorders, but it works really well, especially when those thoughts are really strong. And so it's really great that we can offer um, whatever support a kid needs so that they can get well quickly and turn around those medical complications. You know, some of the medical complications in children are actually irreversible. So it's really important, back to your fear statement, that families not make these decisions in fear, but really make a decision to help their kid be their healthiest. Yeah, and when I'm talking to moms about fear, um, and I know fear very well. I, I can do fear really well. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> but, 
but you want to, you want to turn your fear into effective action. Yes. 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 And so that's, that's what I'm hoping just listening to this, that you, you're going to be able to take your fear into effective action. And so that leads me, we're kind of wrapping this up a little bit. Okay. Um, but how can people, if people want to um, contact you, Dr. Tanner, how can they do that? We have a great website, veritascollaborative.com. We have a lot of really good information on there. There are a lot of blog posts that are really informative. So there's a lot of really good information. Uh, we have a whole team of professionals that answer the phone. So I think if a family is worried that's listening to this, a mom isn't even quite sure where to start, they can pick up the phone and they can call and they can talk to someone who does this all day, every day. And they can say, you know what? You shouldn't be worried. Or I'm sorry to say your mom got was spot on. It sounds like we need to help you get some help. So it's really important, you know, to listen to that mom gut. I'm a big believer in the mom gut and get yeah. your kid help, or at least ask professionals who do this all the time. Um, if your worries are founded in something that needs to be addressed. Okay. This sounds great. I thank, thank you, you so much for coming. Colleen, I enjoy talking to you. I'm so I'm glad that you're doing this work to help moms take care of their daughters. It's the world's hardest job raising a daughter. <laughs> so they're also lucky to have your support and advice. Yes, I, well, I'm glad to know you're out there. I love your positive approach. And this information is going to be so helpful to my mom. So thank you so much. Thank you, Colleen. I enjoyed our time <laughs> together today. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, this concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I have some other great resources for you. You can head over to ColleenOGrady.com. That has two L's and two E's. You can sign up for my Dial Down the Drama triple pack. It's absolutely free. You get a copy of my free ebook, Seven Ways to Help Your Daughter and Yourself, a free chapter from my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, a guide for mothers everywhere. And you get a free subscription to my weekly easing. If you're ready to pick up your copy of Dial Down the Drama, you can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For daily encouragement, follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Colleen O'Grady Dial Down the Drama. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.